Welcome to the EAU podcast series on pre-operative, intra-operative and post-operative new technological tools for urologists. In this final episode of the series, we have two distinguished guests with us. Juan Gómez-Rivas, urologist at Hospital San Carlos, Madrid, Spain, chair of Young Academics Urologists of the European Association of Urology, Second guest, Carl Friedrich Kowaleski, attending urologist at University Medical Center Mannheim, Heidelberg University, Germany. Together, they will explore the intriguing topic from LAP to the advent of new robotic platforms, which surgery for which intervention. Join us for an enlightening discussion on the latest advancements in urological surgeries. Welcome, everyone, to the last episode of our podcast series on preoperative, intraoperative, and postoperative new technological tools for urologists. And we will be talking about from laparoscopy to the advent of new robotic platforms, which system for which surgery. Today, I have with me my dear colleague, Carl. Carl, can you introduce yourself to the audience so they can listen from you, who you are, where do you work? What is your area of expertise? Yes, thank you, Jan, and thank you for your kind invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. So my name is Karl Kowaleski. I'm a German urologist. I work at the University Medica Center in Mannheim as an attending urologist with a focus on robotic urology and also on oncology. Thank you, Carl. As we know, laparoscopic urology has become an essential and widely adopted technique in the in the surgical field. We all know all the advantages that laparoscopy has regarding the minimally invasive approach, the reduced blood loss, the shorter hospital stay, and etc. But it's real that from 2000 we have a new kid on the block, which is the robot. So, Carl, can you shed some light on what are you doing in your institution regarding laparoscopic robotics? Have you already turned the shift into all robotic surgery without any laparoscopic surgery? What is your experience on this? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. So as you said already, in the beginning of the century, we had a shift towards laparoscopy with the known advantages of less blood loss, smaller incisions, and also faster recovery times. And since then, we are using mainly the robotic system because the robotic system is also laparoscopy, but we can say it's augmented laparoscopy because it overcomes the limitations of traditional laparoscopy by using two cameras, which enables um, the 3D vision and also with the articulating instruments, which gives us back more degrees of freedom. In our institution, there has been a shift. We are not using laparoscopy, so traditional laparoscopy anymore. And if we do a minimally invasive surgical procedure in our urology department, we do it with the robotic system. Okay, so at least in your institution, seems that there's no role for laparoscopy anymore. But do you think in other institutions or other countries, how is your overview regarding laparoscopic surgery in Europe, let's say. Is there still any role for laparoscopic surgery? Is there still people doing laparoscopic? Should we be still trained in laparoscopic surgery? So there are basically two questions. The first one is, if there is, are people still doing laparoscopy? And the second is, does laparoscopy help us to become maybe a better robotic surgeon? So for the first question, we can reframe this question, can say, is there any classical urological procedure that can be done laparoscopically, but not robotically. And I don't think so. While almost all 
procedures can be done robotically. Some surgeons would probably say they prefer the robot because it has advantages we discussed before. And the advantages come even more pronounced if you're talking about procedures that have complex reconstruction, talking about formation of anastomosis, or for example, if we do robotic cystectomy when we build um, intracorporeal neobladders with the robotic system. So that's a clear advantage when we talk about um, complex reconstruction cases. On the other side, you're right, robotics is more expensive and the equipment is more expensive. And at least in Germany, the reimbursement is not better for a laparoscopic or for a robotic prostatectomy as it is for a laparoscopic prostatectomy. So we definitely have to take cost into consideration. And as we know from colleagues, there are countries also in Europe, but also from a worldwide perspective, cannot afford a robotic system. So for those countries, a lot of very experienced surgeons doing laparoscopic urological surgery. And there are also some changes during the last years. Most people are using 3D technology so they can overcome one of the main limitations of traditional laparoscopy. And they are very experienced and they can also do almost all procedures laparoscopically. And for the second question, if laparoscopic skills can be transferred to the robotic system, there is some data out there which is not it's not clear. So some studies suggest that there is a certain amount of skill transfer from laparoscopy to robotic-assisted surgery. Other papers, however, say and there's a recent paper from our institution too, and that say that open-end laparoscopic skills are not directly transferable to robotic systems. In my opinion, if you want to become a good robotic surgeon, you don't necessarily have to have some experience in laparoscopy. Certainly, it's helpful. Thank you, Carl. I, I must agree with you in many of the things that you have said. I fully agree that robotic surgery has a clear advantage in procedures that include reconstruction. As you said, cystectomy, especially with the neobladder or ileal quinduct intracorporeal construction, robotic system has a clear advantage there. And also, for example, in kidney transplantation, it's feasible. Of course, thanks to the robot. Do a transplantation in a laparoscopic fashion, almost impossible, although there are some groups that has described this technique. And I know many surgeons, as you have said, that has become robotic surgeons from open surgeons, stepping step the way of, of being a laparoscopic surgeon. If robotic systems are here in order to try to standardize and be democratic, a democratic way of reaching surgery to everyone. Because robot helps to standardize the procedures more than open, of course, and more than, than lab. One additional point we haven't discussed so far for this question is one important thing we should take into consideration is that the learning curve is also different. So while, as you said, as an experienced surgeon, they can do almost all procedures laparoscopically and also robotically, but the learning curve is probably shorter with the robot. So for a pure laparoscopic prostatectomy, the learning curve is probably longer than for robotic-assisted um, radical prostatectomy. Carl, we have seen the last decades a monopoly regarding robotic system with a very well-known Da Vinci. What are the new promising systems that are coming into the field? And what are the main difference between them and also with the classic Da Vinci system that we have in the market? As you said, Da Vinci system is the system which is most commonly used and being in the market for 20 years is certainly a big advantage also if it comes to usability. However, recently, and that's a pretty positive um, development, I feel, is that there are other systems and the two most commonly systems, new systems are the Ruger robotic system from Medtronic and the Versa system by CMR Surgical. And those two systems are similar in the way that they both have 
two features which are not uh, present for the uh, for the DaVinci robot. And these are both systems come with an open console. So the surgeon can have a view also on the operative field. He doesn't have to turn his back around to see the actual operative field. And the second difference is, which is also true for both of those new systems, is that they have a modular approach, which means that each single arm comes on a single card. So um, the setup of those systems can be way more individualized as compared to the DaVinci robotic system. Carl, do you think that we can or we should adapt uh, the procedure that we are performing in the patient according to our robot system or all robots feasible for all kinds of surgery? I think there's always a way for surgeons to perform or to pursue an individual approach. For example, we know some surgeons who are not using all arms of the Da Vinci system either, and they want the system to be more active in their procedure. So with the Da Vinci system, for all classical procedures that we know, which is mainly um, radical prostatectomy, cystectomy, all the kidney surgeries, I feel that all those systems are feasible and all those um, procedures can be done by all of those robots. And as you know, for the last AUA meeting in Chicago, there was a very nice video from Bernardo Rocco who demonstrated or who performed a robotic um, radical prostatectomy with all three systems. And when you had a look on the videos, you could actually see that each step looked relatively similar. For more experimental surgeries, and these are approaches, for example, to prostatectomies, which are in a more experimental stage, which is precision prostatectomy or um, transvesical radical prostatectomy, I feel there might be some advantages for the new robotic system. But, but now I'm talking about the single port of system, which is a unique device which came up to the market recently and is not yet available in Europe. But there are interesting studies and interesting case series um, that are already going on in America. Car, we have talked about where we come from. We come from open surgery. We come from laparoscopic surgery. Where we are, we are now in a new era of robotic systems with the old, old kit, let's say the Da Vinci and the new kits on the block, the Hugo and all the platforms that you have mentioned. But where we're heading to, what is the future here regarding the new technology in robotics, specifically in the urological field? Thank you for this question. I'd like to address three points. Um, the first one, of course, is costs. And one of the biggest hopes for all of us probably is that through more competition, that the systems are hopefully in the future becoming less expensive. In the current stage, we are not actually seeing this because our system, even the new systems, are relatively the same amount of money as the Da Vinci system is. But maybe in the future, also with advancements of technology, and um, hopefully the costs will decrease. So as you said before, Robotic surgery um, will become more affordable and also, let's say, democratizing um, surgery. That's for the first point. And then for the second point, I feel especially in the new platforms offer a way so that the raw data from the surgical device itself can be used. So if it, we are not talking about trajectories um, of the robotic arms, which is, for example, to see what was the path length of the scissors or progress, um, and there are um, so-called performance metrics, which um, Andrew Hang published a lot of on, and this is something those new systems provide this kind of data, 
And this can actually help us to train the new generation of um, young surgeons and also to give us feedback and performance assessment. And for the last point, I'd like to address the idea or the thinking that in the Da Vinci system, we have Firefly, which is mainly used for ICG. But the new system maybe also um, will incorporate other image technologies. So we not only have um, ICG and Firefly, but also maybe hyperspectral imaging, which will also enable real-time tissue characterization or perfusion measurements so that we can actually see, for example, for kidney transplantation, should we redo the anastomosis or also during um, radical cystectomy for the bowel anastomosis, is the perfusion good enough or for partial nephrectomy if the clamping was complete? So this is third and a new way maybe that can help us to um, improve and refine our way of doing robotic surgery. And a last question, I want to hear your your comment on this. All the residents and young urologists always are concerned regarding training, how all these new technologies have an impact in the training, and what is the best pathway to be trained? We're talking about robotic surgery now. In your experience, is training the same things or due to robotic surgery and If I want to become a robotic surgeon, because it seems that robotic surgery is here to stay and it's here to not just to stay, but, but the indication will be increased. How should I become a robotic surgeon? What you said in the beginning, it's getting harder and harder to gain experience on the actual console since um, exposure to patients is becoming less and we have as residents have a higher workload and also, for example, medical errors are more recognized in public. In surgical education and surgical training, there's a shift from time-based training, let's say you have from the number of surgeries, so people to a more proficiency-based approach. So in the future, it's not like that you have to have performed uh, 100 prostatectomies, but you will really be um, assessed by your performance and you have to reach certain proficiency criteria, which is, for example, um, complete resection, continence, etc. Also, as you said, people need to be able to jump between different systems. So I feel that people should get every chance they have to try on those systems, even if it's on a Congress. And also training courses and accreditation will probably become more important in the future so that young um, residents will be sent to some institutions which have huge training um, theaters, for example, in Belgium, in Rossi or also in the IRCAT in Strasbourg. And maybe in the future, we will see is if you need to have a driver's license for the different systems so that you can, can switch rapidly and that you are able to adopt to the situations and to the conditions you have at a certain place, for example, in Spain or in Italy or in Germany. Thank you very much, Carl, for throwing light in this uh, field of new robotic surgery and new robotic platform. Thank you for the listeners to this podcast series and see you soon. Thank you once again for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Gomez-Rivas and Dr. Kovaleski, for sharing your expertise in this enlightening EAU podcast episode. We appreciate your valuable insights. And to all our listeners. Thank you for joining us throughout this series on pre-operative, intra-operative and post-operative technological tools for urologists. We hope you found the discussions informative and engaging. To keep up with the latest AO podcasts and stay informed on urological advancements, be sure to subscribe to our EAU podcast channel on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, take care and stay curious.